Hey everybody, welcome back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode and all of our episodes are powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which focuses on helping churches make disciples who can make disciples. For more information or to get connected, check out their website, navigatorschurchministries.org. Hey, Tony, we're back. Episode two, season two. Um, Love it. I'm asking you a random question today. Okay, Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. Chocolate or vanilla? Oh, man. I feel like if I pick one, I'm going to be judged for the other. I need more context, Justin. Uh, are we talking ice cream? Are we talking fudge? Are we talking milkshakes? What are we talking here? Uh, let's say ice cream, but I'd like to point out that I think most of us can answer this without further context, but go ahead. Let's well, say ice I appreciate cream. the fact that I'm an individual and I select for ice cream. I'll take chocolate. What about you? Vanilla. I'll take vanilla. You know, I've learned that chocolate gets more publicity, but actually Americans, I, I learned this stat, um, twice the number of Americans prefer vanilla to chocolate. Don't you think though that's because the amount of toppings you can put on vanilla are better than chocolate? Uh, not for me, but maybe, maybe. Uh, you All right, know, we got, we got, let's get into it. Well, I, I, so actually, I think it's a, it's a perfect segue, right? Because w- what we're talking about today is is posture, right? And the way that you answered that question is a perfect representation of your posture. Okay, <laughs> let's hear more about this. What 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 is posture, and how was my posture in that? Posture is how you view yourself, right? It, it's it's the way that you face towards something in this particular case in in our ridiculous example we're talking about your posture for vanilla ice cream and toppings but for most of our lives posture is really all about um how you face how you stand how you address uh an area of your life and today we're going to talk about posture in disciple making and actually tell us a little bit about the um you know the starter you know, uh, of, of what we're getting into postures of an effective disciple maker. Yeah. So we're going to cover over the next three episodes, including this one is the, the three postures of an effective disciple maker. And we're taking it out of second Timothy two. So second Timothy two, two is a familiar verse to many of us in disciple making. And it says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Mm-hmm. And so we use that verse frequently, right, as disciple makers. And you might have shared it with somebody that you're discipling. And then we'll normally ask how many generations are in this verse. And, you know, there's four, right? Paul's talking to Timothy, uh, Timothy uh, to reliable men, reliable men to others. And the witnesses, I mess that up, but you can look at it and there's four, right? But right after that, um, Paul unpacks, you know, what it looks like to be a disciple maker and how we can posture ourselves um, around these three certain um, really vocations in a lot of ways. And so the first one's a soldier. Now, I'm, I'm excited because, Tony, you have been a soldier. I've never been a soldier. But posture is about, like you said, it's a not, not just about what we know, it's how we view ourselves, how we engage the world. So it's more really about who we are. And so what can you tell us about being a soldier? What does it mean to be a soldier, Tony? 
Yeah, you know, I, I you know, soldier's an interesting idea um, because when I left for basic training, I thought I knew what it meant to be a soldier. I um, mean, there's a really funny thing that happens in basic training, and if you've been around the military, you kind of know. Um, soldiering begins with knowing that your group identity is more important than your individual identity. And so mm. there's this really interesting thing that happens in basic training where when you start basic training, you get in trouble for whatever anyone else does, right? So so soldier oh, snuffy wow. over here, private snuffy shows up five minutes late, everybody does push-ups, right? Uh, private Joe oh. decides, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible, right? Private Joe decides he's not going make his bed the right way and everybody's got to remake their beds. But what they're doing is they're posturing us, right? They're putting us in a proper posture that says no one here is bigger than the team, right? And the team is what's mm. most important. And so there, there's an idea in soldiering mm. that happens that that you begin, to, uh, you, you never lose your individual identity, but your individual identity comes secondary to your identity in the mission, right? Or, or we would say in the church and your identity in Christ is, is the number one part of your identity. And then everything else after that, does, does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, really. Wow. That's really interesting to me. Never having been in that context or culture, just hearing how that, how that works. And yeah, boy, I would have been pretty annoyed by that uh, on either side, right? If I was the guy that didn't make his bed right, or for the other guy was like, oh man, I've, I've had negative feelings about both sides, but I see what you're saying that, that what they're doing is creating that culture where all of you are uh, engaging with the whole as one. Have that right? Yeah. And, and what ends up happening is because there's so much commitment to the whole Everyone wants to see everyone else be successful. So a after the punitive mm -hmm. season of basic training, you kind of move into the building season of basic training when you're making soldiers. And one of the things they do is um, they create people like battle buddies, right? That's what we call them. Hey, who's your battle buddy, right? Who's the soldier that's going to help you make yeah. sure that you're not late, that your bed is made. And sometimes the drill sergeant would even come into the big common area and we all had to dress the exact same way. It's, you know, being in uniform, right? And and one of the things, mm. if somebody was dressed the wrong way, instead of early on in the session of basic training, when they would do punitive responses, what they would start to do then is they would say something like, one of these soldiers is not like the other, you know, and they would sing this song over and over again. It's super annoying, right? And then they would say, yeah. you now have 30 seconds and I'm not going to say it exactly how they say it, but basically to fix yourself, right? I'll, I'll leave the expletives okay. out of it, but you have 30 seconds to fix uh -huh. yourself. And then what happens is all these soldiers begin to kind of move around like a beehive so that we try to figure out which one of us didn't put on the right socks or the right undershirt or the, the right, you know, have the right uniform. And so now what's happened is we've gone from punitive um, posturing to now we're building uh, collaboration and achievement posturing. And then eventually we all succeed okay. together, right? We, we're, we're going to succeed together no matter what the, you know, no matter what the task is. Yeah. So what I hear you guys, what you're saying then is that what this context did is 
you guys knew what the mission was, if I can use that word in, in that exercise that you described, like the mission was that you would all be the same in terms of your dress or how you looked. Yep. And then because of the way it was framed out, you guys worked together to help each other get to that place mm-hmm. where you were all successful together. Yes. I like and that. It, it, and it was That's our really own, cool. It was our own world. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tony, what I want to do is I want to read the rest of this passage. So I already read 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. I want to read verses 3 and 4. And then I'll share just a little bit of how I take it. And then I'd love to hear kind of you flesh it out as somebody that has had that experience as a soldier, right? So um, for those listening, we're starting in 2 Timothy 2.3. I already said 2 Timothy 2.2. 2.3 continues. And again, Paul is writing to Timothy, his disciple. Paul says, endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So there's a couple of things here Tony, that stand out to me. The first is this idea of enduring hardship like a good soldier. So I picture that as like somebody who's not complaining, right? They're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's probably terrible, but they're just still doing it. Um, and then the other thing that really stands out to me um, is this idea of not getting involved in civilian affairs. I've, I've, I'm a civilian, right? In terms of that framework, I'm not a soldier, so I'm a civilian. And so um, I don't even get that distinction fully because I don't know what what civilians are involved in that soldiers aren't. Um, but I'd just love to hear your thoughts on, on that passage. Well, I, I think part of the the building of a soldier process is to to kind of go to this idea about enduring hardship right so i i would say that hardship is baked into the soldier making process we even have this thing called the warrior ethos and and i used to joke at my very first church job that the warrior ethos is the closest thing i ever found you, you know working at a church is the closest thing i ever found to being in the army and the warrior ethos go like this i, I will always place the mission first I will never accept defeat. I will never quit, and I will leave a, a never leave a fallen comrade. And, and in a lot of ways, it feels like what we do in the church, right? I'll always place the mission first. Uh, I'll never quit. I'll never leave a fallen comrade, right? Like it's kind of the, that same idea. So hardship is baked in, baked in. I'm reminded of the scripture that Paul says that rejoice to the extent for we can suffer with Christ, right? There's a, a part of this that's baked in. You're putting down your own agenda. You're picking up the, the mission of the unit. And around civilian affairs, yeah, I, I think when we think about civilian affairs, what we're really talking about is the culture, right? And when we think about mm. soldiers, when we think about the military, we think about unity. We think about looking the same, acting the same, living a certain lifestyle. We call it an SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. Right. And everybody in the military has an SOP that they're required to follow in order to exist well together. But when we step out into the world, civilian affairs, you don't have an SOP. Your family may have one, but in the culture with a bunch of random right. people, you're not going to have an SOP. So I, I what I look at when I see this verse is they're saying, hey, um, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs, knowing serving as a soldier gets involved in the culture of the world outside of what the mission takes us to. Huh? I like that. 
So civilian affairs, almost like those are distractions, right? And if we if we can tie this in to disciple making, then what I'm thinking is that, you know, Paul is really trying to to show us as followers of Christ, as mature disciple makers, um, that what we are called to is a mission, hmm. right? That we are linking arms together to fulfill, but we're also doing it in our individual responsibility. Um, and that we are so committed to the mission that we are not going to be distracted by civilian affairs. And then here's the part in verse four that I really like. And that you know, it, I don't know if it fits totally with what I'm saying, but I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on is he wants to please his commanding officer. So the motivation as I'm taking that as kind of an outsider of the soldier culture is that, well, my ultimate job as a soldier is to plan to please my commanding officer and my commanding officer's job is to fulfill the mission, right? Yeah. Like that's what he is wanting us to do and to be a part of. And so, you know, for us as disciple makers, our first priority is to please God. And we do that. We please God by not being distracted from what Jesus has us here to do. Tell me your thoughts on all that. I like it. I, I think in the, the military culture, there's two types of commanding officers, ones that you want to please and ones that you don't want to please, <laughs> ones that you don't care about, right? Like guys <laughs> that you're not willing to take the hill for, so to speak. And so what I love about the way okay. that, that Paul writes this to Timothy is that he wants to please his commanding officer. And, and there's kind of an implication there about mutual um, respect, right? That there's a, um, there's a desire to please the commanding officer because you love and respect the commanding officer. You know, oftentimes in, in mm. the military, we would call the colonel or the person who's the, the boss, we call him the old man. Like, hey, let's let's get this one okay. for the old man, right? And so um, there's a love and admiration there. You, you, you know, you see it really clearly if you're a big movie buff like I am in that that movie, We Were Soldiers. That's a, that's a really well done movie. And Mel Gibson plays the the old man of that movie. And he's the he's the first one on the ground and he's the last one to leave. And that's why these mm. men want to please him because he serves them well. And I think when we think about okay. it in disciple making, the ultimate disciple maker is, of course, Jesus. And so what he did for us on the cross is why we want to serve him so well, right? We we want to live out that calling. Mm. So uh, if we want to do that well, we must stay focused and live our life the way that the old man did, right? The way that Jesus did without distraction, right. without civilian affairs, without the things that can come in. And and you and I both love the local church, and, um, but oftentimes yeah. I think the local church can get distracted by things that aren't really on the same mission or vision of what uh, the commanding officer really wants. And and it's something that we all have to just be right. wary of, you know? Yeah. No, I love that because as we're thinking about disciple making and posturing ourselves, like what posture would we have and why this discussion that we're having right now is so important is because we are in a culture that is designed to distract us, mm. right? From consumerism to the next, you know, shiny thing or product or convincing us that we don't have what we need. We got to go over there and get it. Or just like you said, even as, as Christ followers, we can be distracted by things that, you know, seem important and significant, but they're really drawing our attention away from the mission that God has given us. And, you know, I've, 
I've written about the drifts of disciple, disciple makers. And one of the drifts is this drift of mission. You know, yeah. instead of being focused on reaching the lost and making disciples, we become focused on, you know, all, a whole list of other things that while they might be good things, they're not the thing, right? And so, you know, posture of a, of a soldier um, is one of total commitment, right? Total commitment and commitment to um, not drifting from the mission, right? And how, how else would you talk about, you know, the posture of a soldier, right? So kind of tie in some of the things that we've been talking about yeah. back to the beginning of posturing. What, what does this look like for us as disciple makers to really posture ourselves like a soldier in the midst of our uh, living out what it means to be a disciple and disciple maker? Let me say it like this. Uh, when I um, really first joined the, the army and I got out of basic training and I got really into um, like a real army unit, one of the things that my old first sergeant used to say is um, every morning we get to put on this Superman suit, right? And he was talking about the, the army uniform and there's this really interesting idea that he kind of planted in me that when we wake up and we throw on our fatigues and we put on our boots, we become part of something much bigger, right? We become part of a mission that is, um, you know, history, history, historical and, um, proud and, you know, full of incredible humans. And, and I think, I think as we begin to like, look at posture and what this means in disciple making, the same thing is true is that when we decide to, to pick up our scripture in the morning and we decide to sit down with someone to make disciples, we get to posture ourselves in a way that um, pleases our commanding officer and works works to to be a part of something much bigger. And while we we hold on to our own identities, what we strive for is to to have one solid identity in Christ as the church. You know, and and it's a beautiful, incredible way to kind of wake up and approach the day. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really love that. I love how you said that. And this idea of, you know, just putting the, those things on, right? That each day we get to be that. How exciting is that? That that's who we are and that's who God has called all of us to be. Not just some people, not just pastors. You know, all of us that follow Jesus are called to be disciple makers and to posture ourselves as a soldier. Um, let me give you guys our takeaway and action step for this week. Uh, the takeaway the mission requires your full attention. Mm. The mission requires your full attention because I promise you this culture is trying to distract you from the mission that God has given you. Uh, and our action step, maybe take some time. Take some time and list out the distractions that, that kind of keep you from living out the mission of disciple making. And maybe it's, it's diverted you completely from that mission. Maybe it, there are small distractions that on a daily level... They keep you from engaging that mission the way that you that you know you're called to and the way that you want to. And so, you know, action step, maybe list those out and then take action on those. Um, well, guys, listen, we're out of time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We're excited to be back with you next week 
where we'll continue in this series on the three postures of a disciple maker. Uh, If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. And we'll be back with you again real soon.